as a taco. So white on the outside, but brown kind of on the inside. <laughs> and, uh, and like Manuel said, you know, I, I am here because the Lord has called us into the, the, the work of the ministry, which is, has a cross-cultural impulse of the gospel, leading us to train and, and dis- disciple young men and women for God's work in the church and the workplace in a bicultural, multicultural way. So hopefully, like Manuel was saying, to see more young men and women, more men like, like Manuel who has been able to reach Hispanics and African Americans and, and white Americans for the gospel in the church. But also, for some who are called to the workplace, women like, like Lindsay who didn't grow up speaking Spanish, but who has learned it. And that God is using it in a mighty way to reach Hispanics and other people as a, as, a, as a white woman in the school. And that is God's kingdom work. So that, that's why, you know, the big picture of, of the reason that I'm, I'm here. People sometimes say, you know, you know you're not Hispanic, right? Tú no eres Hispano, right? Say, I know. I mean, every day that I open up my mail, write my name, I am, I am reminded that I am not. But remember, God calls us into many different things, into cross-cultural ministry, in the church, but also in the workplace. And so this morning, I want to talk to you guys. I want us to look at what is God's calling for us in the workplace? And how does the gospel have anything to do with what we do in our everyday workplace jobs? So first, let's pray. Lord, we come to you because we are weary and heavy laden. We wonder if our work has purpose. The Holy Spirit, we pray that you would show us how the central good message of the gospel gives us purpose in our work. Holy Spirit, minister to us now by your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We know work is hard. King Solomon, thousands of years ago, at the end of his life, life summarized the challenges of work. He summarized it in a way like this. He said, what's the point of working your fingers to the bone if you hand over what you worked for to someone who never lifted a finger for it? Smoke. That's all it is. A bad business from start to finish. So what do you get from a work, from a life of hard labor? Pain and grief from dawn to dusk. Never a decent night's rest. It's nothing but smoke. That's what we feel about work sometimes. It's just hard. It's nothing but smoke that disappears. It's empty and vain. This is how we feel in our worst times when we think about our work and our jobs. So I want us to look at three questions from this passage to answer three questions. The first one basically is, will our work be hard? And to put it this way, sometimes we encounter, I've encountered this question that people ask. 
can I find a career that I will love so much that it will be like I never work a day in my life? You know, we've, we've heard this and sometimes we've, we've said this. And, but to answer that question, we need to look at what is the nature of work in the first place. Here it says, abound in the work of the Lord. The labor of the Lord. The first thing that we need to know about work is that in the beginning, God made work and He made it good. But it became broken. He made it good. Genesis 2.15 says this. When it was good, He said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. It's the same word there, to work it. This is this Edenic place, meaning this literally meaning this pleasant place. God created us to work, to serve the creation. All of our work would be good. It wouldn't be frustrating. It wouldn't be boring. It was meant to extend God's physical presence, His pleasant place in the world. That's how it was created to be. It was meant to be good. But then we know that as humans, we sinned and we fell from our state. We rebelled against God. And because of that, work became cursed. It became broken. Genesis 3.19 says it this way. By the sweat of your brow, you shall eat your bread. It's hard. By the sweat of your brow, from your face, you shall eat your bread. And it says, the Lord later, the Lord God sent the man out from the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He was taken out of the garden, and now work was broken. It was no longer always in pleasant places. See, there's a, there's a positive sense for the word work, the same word, and there's also a negative sense. Positive is this idea of, of serving willingly, and enjoying it, loving it even. Because this is how we were created. But then there's also this negative part, this challenging part. In Exodus, the same exact word for work says that talks about the Egyptians. It says they ruthlessly made Israel to be slaves. The same word is to be a servant and can also to be to be like a slave. So what so what is this saying about work? We're saying work is good, but it is hard. Sometimes it can be as if it is a slave driver over you. And even look in our passage in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it talks about the work of the Lord, and then it also says your labor in the Lord. These are synonymous words. Now, what, what does labor mean? Anybody ever been through labor here? Childbirth, toil. That's the idea of the word labor in the Greek. And childbirth is the hardest work that I've ever seen. In fact, I feel like, and sometimes, childbirth was the hardest work that I ever went through as well. 
I mean, I know I, I didn't give birth to Poppy Marie. But man, when Madison gave birth to our little daughter, the next day, I was so exhausted. In fact, we had some friends come and visit us in the hospital, and uh, Matheson's, you know, over there in the corner sitting in her chair, and uh, it's horrible because I was sprawled out on the bed, just exhausted laying there, and some people came and I said, I am so tired. (laughs) But labor, it's hard work. It's difficult. It's exhausting. This is what work is. It's hard. It's toilsome. And you know this from your jobs. If you work a desk job, you work in administration, you have emails and phones, and you have things that are always being like a slave driver over you, constantly getting at you. If you're a teacher, sometimes you have difficult administration, you have difficult coworkers, you have students who have setbacks, constantly having to do lesson plan and grading. It's hard work. Sometimes we have jobs that physically demand from us and hurt our bodies. And some of you, you have jobs that take you away from your family for an extended period of time, and that is hard. This is the nature of work after the fall. It is good, but it is hard. Ah, but, but really, if you love your job, it won't be work, right? I want to challenge that question again by another analogy. Sometimes, you know, you may have heard it said, especially this is really common with young people, we say, if only I find the one girl. If I find that right one, if I find her, it's going to be wonderful. We're never going to have challenges. We're never going to have problems. It's going to be great. And we kind of sing that, that, uh, you know, that 1980s song, Harmony? It goes, always, I want to be with you and make believe with you and live in harmony, harmony. You, you know that song, right? We, we think, we think, we think, if I find the one, it's just going to be harmony. It's going to be harmony. But then any of you who've been married for over a year, you know, there, there are times when you say, I don't want to be with you right now. Stop pretending... And we feel like there's no harmony, there's no harmony. And if we say, we come to the conclusion, well, it must have been that it wasn't the one. And so then we quit. In the same way, it's, it's the same thing with work. Sometimes we think, if I find the one job I'm supposed to do, the one thing, it's not going to be work. It's going to be harmony, it's going to be great. And then things get hard and we quit. Similar to work and to marriage, work is hard. Marriage is hard. These are hard things. This is part of the nature of it. Those of us who are millennials, you know, we we kind of have this rap of, of quitting jobs and changing jobs all the time. And I want to tell you, it is okay to change your jobs at times. 
It's okay. We live in a complex, changing world. But if you're just changing your job because you want to, because it's hard. This summer, I uh, encountered two managers, one for a landscaping business and one who worked in a mechanic shop and a truck driver. And all three of them said to me, and this was in a space of two days, they said, do you know what I don't like about millennials? And I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, I am one, so why, why would you let me know? And he said, they said, all three of them said, they want less hours and they want more pay, and when things get hard, they quit. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't want it to be true of my generation and of, of, of other young adults. But if we think that we can get a good job and it's not going to be hard and we switch careers when it gets tough, I just want to tell you that that's just not the nature of work. It's going to be hard. It, and it is good. You should expect it to be hard. And I want to encourage you in this by depressing you. It is hard, but it's still good. And this is an encouragement for us because sometimes when we, we, we find challenges in our work, it makes us emotionally riled up. It makes us anxious. It makes us worried. But we can be immovable. We can be emotionally not stirred up. Because we know Christ is there. And it also just helps to know that, okay, what I'm expecting is what I'm going through is normal. So can I find the career that I will love so much that I never work a day in my life? Well, no. Work is hard. Then the second question that we often think about, and what, what especially for, for us who are younger, we ask the question, what is God calling me to do? Or maybe you're a little bit later in life, and you're finding challenges, and you may be asking, did I miss out on God's calling in my life for my job and my career? And I want to tell you very clearly what you are called to do for your work. Paul says it right here in verse 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is what all of us are called to do. You are called to abound in the work of the Lord. Elsewhere, uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, he says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. See, he says, Work of the Lord is doing whatever you do heartily as for the Lord. It's more, the work of the Lord is more about how you do things and why you do things than specifically about what you do. Notice what he says. He says, whatever you do, which means you can do anything, everything, what you love, what you're good at, whatever you do, how, he says, Heartily, That means putting all your effort in it. Are you putting your effort into it? Even if you don't feel like it is the, the career thing that you are eventually wanting to do. Or even if you feel like you're stuck. 
work at it heartily with all of your effort. And then why? This is for God's glory, and this is for other people's good too. See, the work of the Lord isn't about being uh, spiritual and being a, a pastor or a missionary. That is important. But morally, it's about whatever you do, doing it with heartily and for God's glory. The work of the Lord is not so much about what you do, it's about how you do it and why you do it. Now, I want to push a little bit. Maybe step on your toes. And if I step on your toes, it's because I'm meaning to. The question is, are you abounding in the work of the Lord? So are you doing, are you working for the Lord God? Or are we working for the Lord money? The Lord knows that we need money, that we have to be provided for. And our jobs are our way for doing that. But are you working, abounding in the work of the Lord? Using your gifts, your passion, even if it doesn't necessarily pay really, really well. Or as well as you would like. Or is your focus more about the Lord money in your job? But the thing is, there is freedom. We worry if we're going to miss our calling or if we missed out on it. But I want to encourage you that there is freedom abounding in the work of the Lord. You can know that you are actually fulfilling God's calling in your life. When I was young, I was really confused about this. I remember in 8th grade, actually, I was in a basketball gym. I walked up to the hoop and I went to the free throw line. And I had this thing, this idea that came to my mind super clearly. My grandfather, whose name was Jeff, who I was named for, he was a pastor. My uncle, whose name is Jeff, who is a pastor. And my parents are missionaries. And I said, I'm so glad that I don't have to be a pastor. And that I don't have to do God's work. But that I'm going to be a lumberjack or an architect. I was so wrong on two accounts. Because God was calling me to be a pastor. And even if God wasn't calling me to be a pastor, He was calling me and He calls you to abound in the work of the Lord, whether you're a lumberjack, up in, maybe up in the, the mountains of New Mexico or something, I don't know. Or whether you're a teacher. Or whatever you do. But isn't the work of the Lord really, I mean, really, isn't that really what pastors and missionaries do? Because that's spiritual. Isn't that what, isn't that really the work of the Lord? Well, actually, in Corinthians, Paul was encountering these challenges where people were gathering together to do church and they were doing spiritual things, but how they were doing it was chaotic and they were doing it for their own glory. And they were excluding others. So the how and the why, even though it was spiritual, was wrong. And so they weren't actually abounding in the work of the Lord. And the Gospel here in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us 
that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead means that even your physical work is spiritual. See, in verse 44, he's talking about the resurrection and the, and the resurrection of the body. He says, it is sown a natural body, but it is, a, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Notice, it's still a body. In verse 53, it says, For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. Elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that our physical bodies will be swallowed up in life at the resurrection of the dead. This is the good news. It's not that we become some disembodied spiritual only. It's that our bodies become more real and more physical and more spiritual. So I I want you to get this. Jesus' physical resurrection, His physical ascension and His physical return to make a new physical heaven and earth restores the importance of our physical work. And so all work is spiritual. Whether you're evangelizing or preaching or teaching, that is spiritual work of the Lord. Whether you are sustaining systems as an administrator, whether you're sustaining production lines as a truck driver, whether you're keeping people safe, you're extending God's pleasant places, and that work of the Lord is spiritual. And so, what is God calling you to do? He's calling you to abound in the work of the Lord because all of your work in light of the resurrection is spiritual. So this leads us to the last question. How do we know that our work has purpose? How do we know that what we do makes a difference? Because we have this creeping suspicion that all of our work will turn into nothing and that it will be vain. That it will turn into smoke. To reiterate what King Solomon says, smoke, that's what it is, a bad business from start to finish. What do you get from a work of hard labor? Pain and grief from dawn to dusk. Nothing but smoke. We feel like work is nothing but smoke, that it's vain. We, we work so hard, and yet we have so little oftentimes to show for it. And the hard news is that your physical work will disappear and will be forgotten. It disappears into thin air because it's prone to death and decay. One day, we will be forgotten. One day, everything that we do will be forgotten. And even in our days today, we feel like we don't see the difference. 
And we're prone to say, well, I just got to pay the bills and that's the only reason to work. But the central Christian message of the gospel, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and His coming again, means that your life and your work will not just disappear like smoke into thin air. For 57 verses in in 1 Corinthians, he's been talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus' life and Jesus' work, it wasn't just smoke that disappeared and was vain. See, when he rose from from the grave, he destroyed death. When he rose, the physical became imperishable. When he rose, all of his work was accomplished. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he's coming again. And that all of this dying world would be swallowed up in life. So the question is, are you in Jesus? rose from the dead? Has He wrapped His arms around you? Do you know His love for you? That the Holy Spirit brings you to Him so that you're in Christ and you're connected to Him and what happens to Him will happen to you. Because if you are in Jesus, just as His life and His work was not smoke, neither will your life. Because in in Him, you too will rise physically, never to die again. In Him, you will rise and your life will forever be known. You will never be forgotten. In Him, you will rise and your labor, though it disappears right now, it will be displayed for all to see in the new heavens and the new earth. Your work is not in vain. Even though it disappears right now, it will last. And this is a mystery. I know it's hard to believe it, but that's what Paul says. This is all a mystery. We take it by faith. But the implication, notice, he says the implication after the resurrection, verse 58, therefore, always, abound in the work of the Lord. Now I know that you're like me and I have a tendency to believe that I have to produce. That I have to work really hard. That I have to work hard to show that my life has meaning and that my life has purpose. That my life is not vain. This is the way we think so often. In fact, there's this quote that I live by that's in Spanish that uh, it goes like this. Al que madruga, Dios le ayuda. Any of you heard that before? That is not Christian I think, okay, if I get up really early in the morning and I work really hard, then God is going to help me. That's what I think. But thinking this way will make you so emotionally stressed, so worked up, 
Because you can't make your life have meaning. You can't make your life have purpose because you will die and your work will die with you. Better we can say this. Which, oh, al que madruga Dios le ayuda means the one who rises early will be helped by God. Better we should say this. And this is part of the gospel. Is it al que madruga en el último día Dios le ayuda. The one who rises up early in the last day will be helped by God. Because he will rise you up. And all of your work will have purpose. This doesn't make us lazy to trust in Christ that he will give us purpose in the resurrection. This doesn't make us lazy and keep us from getting up. It makes us confident. You see? It will enable you to face the struggles of the day with strength. You can be emotionally strong. Immovable. That's what it means. Immovable is emotionally strong. You'll have strength because you have confidence that in the Lord your work is not in vain. And so, the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, means that your labors today has purpose, is not in vain. Al que madruga, en el último día, Dios le ayuda. The one who rises up early on that last day will be helped by God. Let's pray. Lord, this is a mystery. Lord, we feel like our work has no purpose. Lord, I pray that this coming week, for everybody as they go their way and do their jobs, Lord, I pray that you would give them a sense of their purpose, the work of the Lord and what you have called them to do. Give us hope, Lord, so that we may be immovable in all the things that you call us to do. Only by your Spirit can you do this. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.